From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. You will find it at the steps of the Capitol, hung from front porches, draped over caskets of fallen soldiers, and splashed across bathing suits and ball caps. The American flag, symbol of patriotism, unity, and power, and just one of the components of Bernie Toppin's art. Name sound familiar? Well, you might recognize some of his other work. I hope you don't mind, I hope you don't mind that I put down in the world And it seems to me you lived your life like a candle in the wind All the clothes are trying to dance That's right, the Bernie Toppin, whose lyrics and 50-plus-year partnership with Sir Elton John have created some of the most influential and successful songs in music history. Both men are heading to Atlanta, Sir Elton on his farewell Yellow Brick Road tour, and Bernie for a new exhibition of his visual work. It is called Lost and Found at the Bill Lowe Gallery in Atlanta. And Bernie is joining us now on the line from Nashville to tell us more about it. Bernie, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, you're welcome. It's nice to be here with you. Well, your exhibition coincides with this final performance of Elton John's tour, really about Atlanta. Both of you share an important relationship with the city. Can you tell us a little more about that? Well, especially Elton. Uh, Elton has had a residence there for, well, for a long, long time. I mean, um, it's a great city and uh, has a sort of great cultural quality to it. Uh, it's a very significant part of the South, and we've always had a great relationship with the South, especially with the music that's come out of it, and uh, for me, certainly historically. And it, it plays a big part, I think, in a lot of the musical pieces that I've created, mm-hmm. especially, you know, things that have a Southern Roots uh, value to them. Right, and that's a lot of the work that you're doing now, I would love to talk about using guitars and kind of elements of the musical roots of the music mm-hmm. that you came to later make. You you do these assemblages of big pieces, so oftentimes mm-hmm. found objects or objects that you intentionally age and create to give a, a sense of a different time or place. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you explained it very well. Uh, a lot of the things that I use are found objects, uh, especially, you know, uh, panels of wood that I find on the side of buildings that have been aged naturally. You know, I'm I'm sort of gravitate towards things like that. Um, And then, obviously, as you say, a lot of the instruments that I use, I buy them new, and then I I sort of age them, I I burn them, I stain them, I sand them, uh, break them up, put them back together to give them the, uh, to give a sort of, to give it the best terminology it's like musical archaeology uh i want to give the the idea of these these instruments and these musical genres as being resurrected because i feel in this age we're moving so fast we tend to forget our heritage we tend to forget the musical genres that uh gave us what we have today and especially in the areas of of traditional country and traditional blues and uh Hill, old hill music, gospel, um, a lot of the people that created that music tend to be forgotten. And I, I 
for me, I can't imagine letting that happen. But as I say, it's sort of like archaeology. It's like refinding them and, and giving a rebirth to that kind of music. Well, I've seen some of them. Roosevelt Sykes, sometimes their names right on them. Uh, Charlie Patton, foundational kind of musicians that created what became rhythm and blues, what became rock and roll, what became pop mm-hmm. music, I would say. So in exactly. The, but, but I'm wondering about the symbolism of some of the objects that you choose. Obviously, you said guitars, banjos, you know, I've seen that kind of thing. But also the American flag, this unbelievably potent symbol. What is the fascination for someone born in, in Britain? You've long been a U.S. citizen, or you've long been living in the U.S., you can correct me there. But, but right. what is the fascination with that Amer- these American roots and symbols? It's probably my most uh, the, the most iconic symbol that I work with on in many many different ways, and it's interwoven into the musical pieces simply because these genres that I'm I'm dealing with and dis- uh, having people discover are purely pure pure American. Uh, forms of music. So they go hand in hand with each other. You know, they are Americana, pure Americana. And the flag for me is such, as I say, such an iconic symbol. It's so malleable. It's, it's such a wonderful, recognizable image. Uh, its significance is, is recognized all over the world. And for me, I've always thought of myself as 100% American. I mean, I've lived here since 1970. Uh, and before that, even growing up, everything that I was interested in, everything I gravitated towards came from this country. You have incorporated pieces of flags, sometimes crumpled, sometimes even burned. Um, thinking of an image that I saw, the burial of William Sycamore. So is, right. there, is there something, I mean, have you ever faced any kind of clapback for, quote, mistreating the flag? Well, it's interesting that you should say that because I think what I'm doing is treating it with the greatest respect. And a lot of people don't understand that the, the way to dispose of a flag actually is to burn mm-hmm. it. You know, um, I, I don't think a lot of people realize that. I mean, obviously to burn it with respect, you know, but uh, I think that's what I'm doing because you have to understand that the flag has an incredibly bloody history. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's fallen, it's risen, it's been stuck under the floorboards of prison camps, it's been, you know, buried in the rubble of 9-11, it's been trampled on on battlefields, but it always comes back. It has a great way, it has tremendous resilience. Um, families of fallen servicemen have given me their flags, uh, because they respect what I do, um, they understand what I do. That, that in a, in a nutshell, is, is enough for me. When I start getting flags given to me by servicemen or families of fallen servicemen, you know, that, that's, that's all I need to say. Mm. Bernie Toppin is my guest, a poet, visual artist, renowned lyricist for his collaborations with Sir Elton John and for his own music. He's written the lyrics for some of John's most famous songs, and there's an exhibition of his art now on view at the Bill Lowe Gallery in Atlanta. I'm curious, though, Sir Elton's biography or memoir, Me, has just come out, and he talks about how he 
he was a young boy from England. I mean, you all started when you were like seven. You were 17, I think, if I've got that right. That's correct. 1967. So it took work, certainly, but then there's fame. And then you're rock stars in the 1970s, you know, touring America, touring the world, um, selling zillions of records. And for him, he spun out, right? And he became addicted to drugs and alcohol. Right. I'm just wondering for you, how did you avoid that fate that, you know, the, the behind the music arc that so many people are not equipped to, to deal with? Well, I, uh, let's let's face it. We all have our demons at certain points in our life. You know, I, I've certainly been no angel. Um, and, you know, I've, I've gone through periods of the, the same sort of things that he did, only probably not to the extent that he did. But, you know, we all wrestle with you can't go through this. The, the kind of um, lifestyle that we led back then, certainly in the 70s, and, and not sort of uh, have your own pitfalls at, at one time or another. So it, it's uh, it kind of got, unfortunately, they seem to go hand in hand, and that's not necessarily a good thing. We, we, but, just, we uh, just haven't seen your memoir. Is that it, Bernie? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably the same old story, but you know, you, you can, you can read several of the others and just insert my name instead <laughs> of the person that's there. Well, I, I guess I'm projecting my own perception because I think of the, the Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. You know, this was a record that you made in the ninth, in right. 1975. Let's first just hear a little bit of that. This is, this is the song Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy from the album of the same name. of him in his sort of dazzling platform shoes and shiny sequined outfits and feathers and etc. And you, Brown Dirt Cowboy, is that is that a title that you gave yourself? It is, yes, absolutely. Um, in fact, I gave us both these titles. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm not sure, it's a good question actually, because I don't have no recollection of where I came up with those ideas. I think it was just something that just popped into my head one day and it seemed to... Uh, be the right tagline for the way that we sort of lived our lives. Well, that's what I was thinking of, the brown dirt cowboy, you know, the... Right, the, right. The, the, the but I came, I came from a very, very rural background. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, where I was born was very sort of isolated and tremendously rural. The, the choices were very limited. It was pretty much uh, you, you either worked on the land or you worked in a factory in the closest city. Going back to the work that you've done, you know, you're putting your hands on things, you're making things. There's something very, especially the idea of doing musical archaeology, digging in the dirt. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, is this, a, is this a lifelong pursuit for you on some level? Yeah, I, I think uh, I've always, I've always enjoyed, uh, like you say, getting my hands dirty. I mean, I, I'm not the sort of person that uh, puts up an easel on the side of the road and gets out of, you know, his watercolors and does a very sort of genteel landscape. That was never really uh, on in the cards for me. I always wanted to do the kind of work that I'm creating now. I mean, you're, like any artist, you you very much start by emulating the people that you respect. 
but in, and it's the same with music. I mean, it, it, it works the same way. But uh, obviously, the ultimate goal is to find your own voice. I also see story in your work. Uh, I hope I'm not projecting that too. You know, there sometimes there's actually written text. Um, mm-hmm. This this is you know something writing and lyrics and and poetry is something that you have been using your whole life as a creative. Uh, do you know where that impulse came from, or can you tell us where well, it first started? You know, yeah, I mean, a lot of my early work didn't have text in it, simply because I didn't want people to uh, relate it to my writing. I wanted to keep it very much separate. But now I'm much more comfortable with the fact that people really respect my art. I've got, a, a, I think, a, a notoriety in the art world now. But there's you know, people who've been hearing your songs, know you from your music for 50 years, or know that music. How do you balance that kind of notoriety in that realm with the art world, which, let's face it, not as many people are going to have access to? I think I think you have to understand now things are a lot different, um, especially in the age of social media. You know, I'm on Instagram. I've got thousands of followers. Um, so people, I think, have a closer proximity to you. They feel more uh, in touch with you. They feel you, they have a personal grip on your life. You know, I, my, my Instagram's pretty interesting. It's not just like a collection of pictures every day, you know. So I, I never I never take anything for granted. I, I'm uh, very appreciative of, of what we have done over the, the you know, the past 50 years, and, and people have come along for the ride, and I'm uh, internally grateful for that. Oh, okay. So I am curious about your view of the movie Rocket Man. I mean, your relationship was an ascent with Elton John was an essential part of the movie released earlier this year. Some of these, the, the film is fictionalized, the timeline's not in order, for example. But I'm wondering for you, what was it like to see yourself portrayed? And, and do you feel like it was accurate? I thought it was great. I loved it. You know, I, I'm, I'm just a fan of the movie. You know, luckily, we had the luxury of the film being basically our film. It wasn't like it was made independent of us and we had no say in it. I mean, Elton and David Furnish, his husband, are are the producers of the movie. And I had 100% uh, say in everything that happened in the movie. So, uh, you know, I I have no complaints whatsoever. I'm I'm just along for the ride. I I thought Jamie did an extraordinary job. I mean... We've all, uh, and to have a, an actor of his stature to, to portray me was just the icing on the cake. And, you know, we've done so much stuff together, all of us, over the last, you know, uh, four or five months since the movie came out. So we're, it's like one big family now. We've sort of intertwined, and, you know, our doppelgangers are our friends. And, <laughs> Just last weekend, Elton John had to cancel a concert in Indianapolis, saying he was extremely unwell. His mother-in-law also passed away just last week. So you did go to see him at his show in Nashville earlier this week. How'd it go? How'd he seem to you? Fantastic. He was great. I think the extremely unwell was slightly exaggerated. You know, I mean, he he was just exhausted. Exhausted is, is a much better way of putting it. Um but yeah, he was he was just 
I think with the um, with the passing, as you say, of his uh, mother-in-law, um, it it was just uh, it was just pretty hard on mm. him. I'm so sorry, Bernie Toppin. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Bernie Toppin, a longtime musical partner with Elton John, who wrote lyrics for many of the songs that you've come to know and love. His visual art reveals a whole other side to his creativity, and you can check that out at Bill Lowe Gallery in Atlanta. The exhibition is called Lost and Found, and it's on until November 22nd. Both Bernie and Elton are on their way to Atlanta. Bernie for the art show and Sir Elton for his farewell Yellow Brick Road tour. So naturally, we have to leave you with Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Stay with us for Atlanta band Omni talking about their new album, Networker, which is out today. We'll be right back with On Second Thoughts. I'm Virginia Prescott.